Hello and welcome to Alchemy. It's really good to have your company for today's show. We're free and on demand from iTunes and alchemyradio.net and you can follow us and join the Alchemy community on Facebook and Twitter. So as I like to say, don't be shy about saying hello. We exist thanks to your kind donations. So a big thank you to everybody who does so via our website. We're completely non-profit and fully intend to stay that way. So then, on to the show. Alchemy, alchemy, alchemy. Today's guest is David Whitehead. David was born in Calgary, Alberta in Canada and currently resides in British Columbia. He's a full-time martial arts instructor and entrepreneur, a passionate and dedicated coach in the holistic health and wellness field and conducts professional seminars and workshops locally and around the world. With a lifetime of study and interest in the esoteric aspects of martial art philosophy, David gives in-depth presentations on his unique perspective on the warrior archetype and shares his ideas on the many modern-day applications of this ancient warrior philosophy for individual and societal empowerment. The basis of David's work is founded on a sincere pursuit of truth wherever it might lead, with an emphasis on facing and conquering the fear and self-imposed limitation that often gets in the way of our peak physical, mental and spiritual development. So David, it's great to have you on Alchemy. Thanks for joining me. How are you? Good, John. How's it going, man? Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure to be here. No, the pleasure is all mine. And we actually hooked up in person, albeit briefly, at the Free Your Mind conference recently. Regular listeners will know we were the European media partner for the event, which was amazing. And this is the first show since the event. So how was it for you? Tell us about Free Your Mind before we get into the interview proper. Oh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I got to say, I met so many awesome people uh, that were there and... It was just, it, it was enlightening to be around people that actually wanted to have a conversation about something meaningful and something that has some depth. And um, I got into so many fascinating conversations in one short weekend that uh, it, it, I took a lot back with me. And I actually learned a lot. I learned a lot from the audience, uh, from the people that were there. Uh, I learned a lot from discussing different things with the other speakers that were at the event. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a great trip we had great weather and it was my first time to philadelphia so all in all uh it was fantastic and i was actually honored to be invited down there to do a talk especially a talk of this nature when we're talking about the subjects that we're going to get into on the show so um it was a pleasure to be there it was an honor to be there i learned a lot and uh actually we had to we got a lot of time to sort of hang out and and Mm. kind of party it up with a lot of the people that came to visit the, the event and um i i think i've definitely made some friends and and I'm looking forward to maybe being there for the next one. Well, I have to say, myself and Stevie, your experience is mirrored by us. It was really, really an inspiring event and such a wide variety of people from all walks of life, complete diversity, unlike anything I'd ever been at before. And I'll certainly be there with bells on again next year. I thought it was great. And your presentation was monstrous, I have to say. The energy in the room was palpable while you were speaking, and we will get into a huge amount of what you were speaking about on this show today. But before we get into that, David, there's a question I ask everybody on the show, and I'm going to ask you, you're no exception. How did you get from where you were to where you are now? Wow, I'm sure everybody says it wasn't something, it wasn't one thing, um, yeah. but I will say that because it definitely wasn't. It was it's a process of constant growing and learning, and um, what what I did was... 
I just followed my intuition and I followed the questions as they came to me. And um, I followed the signs as they showed themselves. And uh, I, I was fortunate in my life to have been given, I guess, the right balance of challenge and adversity, as well as the right amount of guides and teachers and, and people that were uh, able to share their insight with me on, on various things. So I had, a, I always had a question in my mind. I always had, I was always that kid that was raising his hand, asking the next questions and uh, wanting to take the conversation into abstract places and, and just to learn and grow. So my journey was that I had uh, been reading some really, really interesting books on history, religion, politics, science, you know, you name it. Um, and even, you know, martial arts, philosophy, etc. Mm. And what I wanted to do was actually get in touch with a lot of the authors of these books and these works and, and ask them, you know, myself and get, get some information from them. And, uh, and what I did was I would record the conversations and fire them up on my YouTube channel and eventually it just turned into an actual show. So I started just doing a show and um, my show is called Truth Warrior. And uh, I tried it on a couple different networks for a while and now I just kind of do my own thing. And I just release it when I'm able. Um, and I'm, a, I'm now a father. So, you know, I've got a lot of different obligations and stuff. And yeah, um, but I, I just feel that for me, when I started looking around at the state of things in the world, I was it just wasn't making sense to me what I was always raised with and what I was being told by everybody around me about, you know, about history, about the state of politics, about, um, you know, just the different elements that we all see. And I started looking for answers. And that's, uh, it was that quest for answers that really started bringing me into this realm of knowledge. And I'm really grateful for the amount of sleepless nights that I've had, the <laughs> amount of, uh, you know, just adversity I've come up against as I've gone on this journey. Because that adversity, you know, I feel like it kind of tempers your metal. It really helps develop you and, and it, it, uh, it brings out the best in you. And so for me, this is an exciting journey. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it continue and continuing to learn and to grow. It's funny you mentioned the journey because I notice in a lot of alternative media, there seem to be gurus or people who are extremely popular within their own kind of broadcast area or whatever it might be, who it's like the journey has ended for many of them. They've, they've got their truth as they perceive it. And that's the end of it. And all of a sudden, so many of these guys and girls tend to go into closed shop mode. It's like the mainstream media all over again, whereby the paradigm that they've created from themselves, once they've broken out of, say, the mainstream paradigm, they create their own and then they put up the walls again. And the way you're speaking there seems to be the complete antithesis of that. It seems to be an organic journey for you. Would that be a correct observation? Yeah, uh, it is. And I, I actually really want to keep it that way. It was some because it was something personal for me. It was something very sacred. And uh, I didn't want to ever feel like I stopped. It's like Bruce Lee always said, you know, running water never goes stale, right? Mm. So, you know, you got to keep flowing. You got to keep learning. You got to keep experimenting. You got to keep jumping out of your comfort zone. You got to keep challenging yourself. Uh, you got to get in line with people that are uh, very much at least supportive or in line with where you're going. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's easy, I guess, to be influenced by the fact that, you know, maybe when you start doing this work, you start getting a little bit of notoriety or popularity. And then um, it's easy to just kind of coast and, and just, you know, stay in one place. And I guess some people take, take that road. But for me, regardless of if anybody, if even one person heard anything I had to say or not, it was always about the journey that I was on 
and that I was working towards. And um, I also felt a bit of an obligation to share what I'd learned along the way mm-hmm. and what I'd been given. I felt like this was like this kind of knowledge and this kind of information and this kind of experience is a gift. And when you're given a gift, you want to keep on giving and you want to keep sharing it. So for me, um, I will never end this journey of seeking truth and seeking um, answers. And I find it very exciting. Um, although some people will consider it to be kind of scary and, and, and frightening at times, but that's what it is. That's what this world is. It's there. We're here to be tested. We're here to grow. And um, I feel so many times like people want to just have the easy way out. They want to just be told what to think, what to believe. You were kind of talking about a sort of guru uh, uh, concept. I call it guru-itis, <laughs> where it's like, you know, you get to a point where, you know, you've, you know, you've, you've made something of, of your ideas and of yourself. And then instead of wanting to just simply sit there and share and help others learn and then learn from others, what they do is sometimes people take uh, uh, like a high horse and they, they, or they get on their high horse and they just sort of fizzle out from that original, maybe that original intention that they had, um, because it's the easier way. It's the easier way to just coast through. So for me, coming from a martial arts background, that just doesn't fly. I have to be true to myself. Um, I constantly have to put myself um, in, in, you know, positions in comp- compromising situations mm-hmm. where I can force myself to learn and grow. And uh, so it's always an evolutionary process that never ends. That's the way I see it. It reminds me a little bit of a quote by Carlos Castaneda, which I'm sure many people know. It's the basic difference between an ordinary man and a warrior is that a warrior takes everything as a challenge while an ordinary man takes everything as a blessing or a curse. And I think what he's getting at there is that so many people are prone to being passive with regard to their own lives. They don't actually take things on and they don't look to advance or go on that journey. It's that somebody else or an external influence is always what's giving them the good or the bad in their lives, as the case may be. And I think that brings us on nicely to The Warrior. There are three facets to your work as I see it. And again, this is my perception and open to all correction. There's The Warrior, The Truth, hence the title of your website, wayofthetruthwarrior.com, and then the martial arts aspect as well. And they all seem, it's almost like a holy trinity, they all seem intertwined. So the warrior side of things first, because I think that is something that a lot of people might struggle with. I know I certainly did. I remember when I started reading books by people like Carlos Castaneda or Paulo Coelho and people like that. They spoke about warriors all the time and it took quite a bit of time for me to get my head around what a warrior was. A warrior to me was always someone who went into, into war or a ninja or so it was some kind of I don't know something I couldn't fully wrap my mind around so let's talk about what a warrior is to you and how you put that into practice in your life David and thanks for that question John because I mean yeah this definitely has to be cleared up for a lot of people um I I teach martial arts for a living. I've done it for many years and I constantly have conversations with different parents or uh, just different people in general about martial arts and what what the meaning is and what what the definition of a warrior is from this context. Uh, And I'm always I'm always trying to help correct a lot of the misinformation that's out there about that term. And when you brought up, uh, you know, the writings of Don Juan and Carlos Castaneda. Mm. Uh, yeah, when they're when you have someone like that coming from a shamanistic perspective, when they're talking about warrior, and when I'm talking about warrior, and when you know Sensei Morihai Yoshiba is talking about warrior or Bruce Lee, uh, this is a totally different context. So I'll I'll kind of give you the basic definition as you're going to find in the uh, you know basic dictionaries or whatnot, and they define it in in basically two ways. And that is that a warrior is simply a brave or experienced soldier or fighter, 
which is essentially, John, that's about what, what you made of it when you heard it, right? Yeah. Because that's what we're given. And then I've, I always thought it was funny that I would find the second meaning of a warrior, as you'll find in the dictionary, is basically it's, it's a particular pose in yoga. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's it. You get, you so get there's a nothing more. a soldier, a fighter, or a yoga pose in right. the dictionary. Take your pick. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, well, you know what? There's not a lot of depth there. There's not uh, really anything of substance because that's not what I was reading about when I was growing up. And mm. I started diving into these types of books probably about the age of nine. Um, and it was, uh, when I was a kid, I got just a little background on me. I mean, I was a scared little scrawny little kid. You know, I was, uh, I had a lot of stuff going on in my life growing up. They had to face a lot of adversity. And, um, so when I started picking up books at the library on the philosophy of martial arts and even just various martial art training books, and then there, I would always have to read that back section that was talking about the history and what it meant to be a martial artist and what it meant to be a warrior. And so I've always grown up with that, reading it from the sources of themselves. These are the, these are the men that founded the martial arts or that um, had continued on some lineage of training or philosophy or, or people that had visited uh, the Far East and had you know, come back with a totally different perspective on it. And these were their books that I was coming across. And when I was growing up, my parents weren't really interested in putting me in any kind of martial art, even though I was begging them like every day, like I really wanted to do it. And uh, it, it was because of the fact that they just, they cared for me like any parent does. They weren't aware of what this was all about. They had that same view of what a warrior was or what martial arts was all about. And they're like, oh, you know what? It's kind of violent. We don't want you to get hurt. We don't want you to get into fights. And, um, but I just kept persisting and I said, no, mom and dad, it's something totally different. You really have to see. And it took me some time to convince them. Then eventually after a couple uh, injuries that I sustained from training in my own backyard or, you know, trying to do flying sidekicks off my garage roof or whatever, <laughs> uh, they finally said, let's put this little guy into some classes because he's going to hurt himself. So it started, my journey kind of started from there. And um, the warrior in this context is really talking about Someone that understands essentially three concepts, but there are, mo there are more, but essentially three concepts, the concepts of honor, I guess it'd be four, honor, justice, obligation, and courage. And so what we're talking about here is uh, ultimately a, a sort of archetype of human consciousness, something that I feel is embedded in all of us. And it's, it's the archetype that embodies struggle and the ability and the fortitude to go through that struggle and come out better on the other side. Um, and another component to that is being able to then lead by example, uh, the ability to stand up when other people are too afraid to stand up. Uh, and standing up could be just standing up for yourself in a situation, in an altercation. Um, and that doesn't have to be a physical alterca altercation. It could be, you know, somebody just verbally assaulting you or whatever. Mm -hmm. And instead of just shrinking away into the shadows and just allowing that to happen, you know, you'll stand up and you'll, uh, you know, you'll defend yourself or you'll, um, you'll approach that situation with the confidence that I feel that is really only exemplified uh, as it is in the warrior tradition. So this is about developing your character. Um, and even uh, Gichin Funakashi, who is the founder of karate, he always said, he's like, you know, training in karate and martial arts is not about just, you know, beating people up. It's about developing your character. And you hear this again and again and again. Um, there's, there's so many quotes. And there was a lot of quotes that I brought up in my presentation where I was trying to demonstrate the source material of 
the depth of the source material on this, where you have these different masters discussing about the, this path of the warrior. And uh, one of my favorite quotes that really sums this up, it comes from Morihayu Shiba, who is, you know, he's the founder of the art of Aikido. And he was one of the most prolific writers on the more philosophical side of martial arts. And he said, the way of the warrior has been misunderstood. The way of the warrior is to establish harmony. True Budo, and Budo is just the, the term for, you know, warriorship. True Budo calls for bringing the inner energy of the universe in order, protecting the peace of the world, as well as preserving everything in nature in its right form. So it seems like with that statement, there's a lot more of a responsibility that comes on someone that's going to go on this path of warriorship. Sure. Um, and it has a much deeper connection to this planet, to who we are, to what's going on, you know, inside our inner universe and what's going on in the external universe. And it becomes about a path of continuing growth as an individual. Um, and it becomes a lot less about going out and charging battle lines and fighting people and, you know, being effective at killing people and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is a, the arts that I've studied were always defensive arts. Everything was used only for self-defense or for the defense of others. Um, and then I took this to a greater extent where this was also a psychological self-defense system. This was an emotional self-defense. This was sort of like raising your immunity, immunity, psychically, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Um, a lot of people are thinking about this, they think about immunity just in terms of whether they're getting sick or not. Yeah. And they have to have a strong immune system. Well, to me, the warrior is the immune system. That's the, the aspect of human consciousness that is there to clean out the toxins. That's there to give you a spine. That's there to give you that courage and that fortitude and to help carry you through this life. And I've always kind of used the analogy of the planet and this, this experience here as sort of like a training is like you're in a dojo, you're in a, you're in, you're, in, you're here to train, to grow, to develop, to challenge yourself, and then to hopefully leave the world a better place than when you came into it. So that just gives a little bit more depth to that term warrior and what it really means to me. I think the idea of uh, consciousness or a psychological immune system is very interesting as well. It's not one I've come across before. And it's something that so many of us, and I'm included in that, neglect quite often. We'll look after our physical health with regard to the body and what we put in the body and exercise, that kind of thing. But then there's something else going on up there as well that a lot of us talk about and are aware of, but we're not necessarily aware that there is an immune system there as well, that we can strengthen our defenses as opposed to just fixing something when it goes wrong. And I think that's a very, very important and enlightening concept. Yeah, and you're, that's exactly it. You're highlighting something very important, which is that this path is about being, you know, you're trying to be proactive as opposed to reactive. You know, you can go out there in the world and you can let everybody around you and all the situations that are going to arise, you can let that push you around and you can start feeling like you're a victim here. You can start feeling like other people and external circumstances have control over you and your life and your destiny. But the truth is that you are always the one that's in control. You are the one that is responsible for your own actions, your own thoughts, your own emotions. And um, yes, there are people out there that are doing a lot of horrible things and they, there are a lot of negative influences out there and there are a lot of external things that can happen that one could say influences your thought patterns, influences your actions. But ultimately, who is the one that is responsible for 
engaging in a particular action in the physical world. It's always you, the individual. Mm. And so we can have all the excuses in the book to say, well, it's, uh, it's the Illuminati and uh, the powers that be and all of these horrible things going on in the world that's making me depressed and making me do this and, and, and bringing all this chaos into my life. Um, okay, sure. There's, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of negative, a lot of negative things going on out there and we got to rise up and address that. But what about your stake? What about how you're going to react to that? What are you going to do about it in your life? You know, because I mean, John, I can't influence your life and you can't influence my life. Like we can't do it for each other. But what we hopefully can do is work together, share ideas, have discussions like this so that we can both positively, um, uh, I guess, you know, share and grow in whatever our particular directions are and have a overall positive influence on each other. And, um, but we individually would have to go home at the end of the day and take responsibility for our own actions. So for me, that's where that line, that underlying aspect in this warrior philosophy comes into play of ethics and morality Mm. and the importance of understanding, um, what it is to have these moral virtues, what it is to understand natural law, um, and what it is to build yourself into, uh, a, a strong, I guess, sacred temple in a way, which is what your body is, which is what your mind is. Um, and t- to bring out the, the best parts of you to access your true potential, to walk this world as in this world as a victor, as opposed to walking around with your head hanging low and feeling like you're just a victim of circumstance. So there's a totally different approach to life in general, uh, not just survival skills uh, when it comes to looking at this warrior uh, tradition. And is this where the truth comes in then? Is the truth almost like a guide for the warrior as to how they can actually go on that journey and follow the path? Yes, it totally is. And that word truth, by the way, I'm sure you're aware, it gets thrown around a lot. Mm. Um, it's been misused for centuries, uh, especially when we're coming from a place of studying, you know, comparative religion and the chaos that that has wreaked on the planet. Yeah. Um, and just dividing people and, and giving them these notions of, uh, you know, through fear and guilt and all of these different programming techniques um, that are ultimately there to keep people in a state of servitude, to keep people in a state of fear so that they never rise up and fully experience who they are. So the truth is something that um, for me was very, very important because I was, I was raised in an environment where I was presented with, you know, oh, here's how the world works. Here's the history of where you came from and here's the story of the afterlife and let's go to church and let's hear what the priest has to say and let's, you know, go through all these different rituals and whatnot. And, let's, and I was kind of like, as a kid, I, it didn't really make sense to me. And I'm like, I don't really think that's, that's the truth, or at least that's not resonating with me. And, you know, so growing up, you know, you start wondering about this concept and you start wondering about who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? You know, what's this all about? And you go on the, and you either, you either keep asking that question or you find some kind of satisfactory answer somewhere, you know, whether it be in some philosophy or religion or some scientific, you know, field or whatever. And then you just go, all right, I'm satisfied. I'm not going to keep looking for the truth anymore. I'm not going to keep going on this journey of trying to figure out what it's all about. I'm just going to put it all on the shelf and just accept what I'm told and follow along and not question authority and, and read the book and, and not, you know, really think for myself. And I just couldn't do that. I was allergic to that idea. And so when you look up in the dictionary, what truth means, they have a couple, you know, a bunch of different tenets that you're going to find. It's like the real facts about something, 
the things that are true, the quality or state of being true, a statement or idea that is true or accepted as true. And uh, also the very simple explanation of truth that I love the best, which is the truth is simply that which is. Hmm. It's that which is, period, end of story. It is what it is. So, you know, the truth is that you are alive. You are breathing air. You are, uh, you are given this incredible gift of this, this vehicle, this body that you have to interface with this reality. You're given a certain amount of time here on this planet. And uh, at, the rest is up to you. You know, what are you going to make out of that? What kind of truth can you find and discover and experience for yourself on an individual level? And then sure, we can take the truth and look at it in a more cosmic way and go, what's the truth about, about uh, you know, how all this universe came to be? What's the truth about God? What's the truth about, um, you know, the afterlife? And is, is reincarnation uh, a real thing? Uh, what's the truth about the rest of the cosmos, you know, are we alone in the universe? Is there other activity going on? Uh, what's the truth about what's really going on behind the scenes in the field of politics or in finance or, uh, you know, what's going on with the media? You know, what's really the truth behind what's going on? So to me, the truth warrior concept, um, it was for me, it was synonymous. The two were synonymous. The, the warrior needs to be to stand for something. So I figured, you know, the warrior should stand for truth because ultimately when I was reading all of the different, uh, you know, write-ups and philosophical uh, treaties or whatever on this subject, when I really boiled it down, that's what it was. It was about facing yourself. It was about being honest with yourself. It was about uh, not being able to live in a state of illusion. So to me, the warrior was someone who was free of illusion. They had a, they had another they had a perk in life. They walk a little lighter on their feet because they're free from illusion. They know what their weaknesses are. They know themselves thoroughly inside and out. They know what's going on with other people as well because they have that insight of going within and learning about who they are. So it's easy to perceive that in others as well. And then you start looking around at the bigger spectrum of the world and you start studying something like geopolitics. You're going to be like, okay. Yeah. There's definitely something else going on that we're not being told about. And we've been lied to flat out in many, many different ways. So as an individual, I can make a choice now. I can say, well, it's too much work to go out and start researching things and learning things for myself and questioning what I've been told and trying to come to my own you know, understanding. Uh, so I'm just going to follow along. I'm just going to let other people and other gurus and other uh, leaders come up and tell me and politicians and priests, etc., come up and tell me who I am and where my destiny is and, and what they think my potential is and what they think my, my life should be and how I should be living it. Because it's easier. It's easier to just give that away and to start um, having uh, living vicariously through other people, isn't it? It's easier to do that. You know, you find some celebrity you like and you go, oh, I'm just going to be I, I just want to dive in and live vicariously through this person because I hate my own life. I don't want to change the situation and I'd rather just do it that way. Well, to me, that's not what it means to be a warrior. That's not what it means to be fully human, actually. I think that we're so, we have so much potential as human beings. Each one of us, I don't care what background you come from. I don't care what race you're from. I don't care what sex you are. I don't care about any of that stuff. I feel like every human being has that potential inside them. And it's actually now the work that I do to try to, to help people bring that out and to use this philosophy as a method of doing that. So um, the truth warrior concept, 
was something born for me. Uh, actually, when I was in my early teens, I briefly told the story at the conference where I had met this elderly sensei at an event that I was at. And I was a, I was a confused teenager. And I was in this process of really asking a lot of questions and wondering, you know, what's it all about? So I went and asked him, I'm like, sensei, can I talk to you? He's like, yeah. I said, hey, can can we chat about just like why we're doing this? Like, why are we training martial arts? Why, why are we here? And it all just started pouring out. I'm like, well, what's life all about? You know? And he just kind of smiled at me and he goes, listen, you know, you're going to need two things in life. You're going to need the truth to be present and available in all areas of your life. And you're going to have to seek that yourself. Nobody can find that for you. And then he said, and the other thing is that you're going to need the spine of a warrior in order to realize that truth, in order to go out and seek that truth, because it's going to be a hard road. So he said, so start there and the rest will come to you. And from that, I was like, all right, I'm in, I'm hooked. That, that makes sense. I, you know, it, I have to answer these questions myself and I'm going to need to be courageous. I'm going to need strength in order to be able to go on that journey. So that's kind of where that concept of Truth Warrior was born. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of um, leading the impeccable life that I think it was Miguel Ruiz uh, who wrote The Four Agreements, which was a book I stumbled across very early in my own kind of journey and path along this route. And it really stuck with me because, again, the word impeccable was a word that I'd always come to associate with something material, something that was really well made or an item of clothing or some kind of consumable. And to actually apply the word impeccable to your life and to not just develop your truth, but I like the, uh, I like the definition that you particularly highlighted for us. And that was something that just is. I mean, you, you can't change something that is. If it is, it is. And it can't be corrupted. It can't be bastardized. A lot of people are the powers that be or whoever might try to, I don't know, send it underground or they might try and put a veil over what is, but it still remains what is. And as you were speaking, David, I couldn't help thinking that a lot of this is almost like us reminding ourselves, we're unlearning and we're trying to remind ourselves of what exists there at a base innate level because society and whatever else has gone on in our lives has almost corrupted that or put that veil over it. And has that been your experience? Has it felt at any time as you continue your journey that it's been an unlearning and then a remembering as opposed to learning all this new knowledge? Oh, yes, uh, 100%. I would actually say a true spiritual path has a lot more deconstruction involved in it than it has construction involved in it. Um, and the reason is, is because we're born into a world that is, it, it's steeped in illusion, you know, whether you're raised in one particular area of the planet and you're instantly indoctrinated into some religious cultural identity or whatever. Um, and then you start viewing others in the world as different or separate than you or lesser than you, mm. etc. And these concepts are very twisted and they can really, they can warp the human mind. They're not natural to the human mind, by the way. It's something that I think has crept in. It crept in in ancient times and it's been with us for a long time, but it's the reason why it's created so much distortion is because it is a perversion of truth. It's a perversion of reality, actually. And so these types of ideas have um, really been, unfortunately, what has shaped our religious and political ideas in the world. And um, instead of something that was more centered around a holistic and complete way of looking at um, yourself in the world and, and going on this path of truth. So you are going to have to unravel that. It's like a Gordian knot 
that has been tied once you show up here and now you have to sort of go through and and dissect what's true and what's not and, and what feels right and what doesn't feel right and you're gonna have i just from my own experience it's not easy. You're going to have a lot of dark nights of the soul. You're going to have a lot of uh, sleepless nights. You're going to have a lot of uh, questioning and then re-questioning. And then, uh, you know, you think you've got it and then you realize you don't kind of thing. Mm. And that's why when it comes to the pursuit of knowledge, you have to approach it with humility and you have to approach it with the knowledge that, you know, it's not something that ever ends. It's not like you just, oh, I, now I know everything. I read it somewhere or someone told me, so now I know. You know, even those of you listening to this show and you're hearing what I'm saying, you know, I, I never would want to tell anybody, yep, I've got the truth. I've figured it all out and you should just listen to me and follow me. That, that's, that's not how it should be. You should be listening to what I'm saying and questioning what I'm saying and trying to go on your own journey, make something your own, make it unique, uh, do your own research come at this from your perspective and make it your own. That's what you should be doing. And there's going to be a lot of deconstruction involved in doing that. Um, and that's actually how you build yourself up. If you look at it, even from a physical training standpoint, when I bring a new student in, maybe they're out of shape or whatever, and they want to start training, they, we have to go through a process of deconstructing a lot of bad programming right. in order to get them into a state where they can move more free with their body, where they can be more flexible and adaptive, where they can even just grasp the concepts that we're trying to show in these types of training classes, situations. And so we have to deconstruct that person and then build them back up. So the process towards, say, getting a black belt or a certain degree in a martial arts style, uh, tradition, you're going to have to get rid of a lot of false programming in order to be able to do that. And it's incredibly hard to do. It is not easy. It is not something that happens overnight. I think a lot of people think, you know, they watch like Conor McGregor fight or something They're like, oh, I can do that. And they just jump into a gym and they, they think they can do it within the first couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of level and the level we train at is like it takes years of constant, you know, just being tested and molded by the fire. You know, you're going to fail again and again and again and again. You're going to experience all different levels of pain and, and, it's, and struggle. Uh, but what I like to remember is, I, I, I had the honor of watching both of my daughters be born into this world. And that was a, a very beautiful experience. And it demonstrated what life is. We were born and brought into the state that we are through struggle. Mm. So why are we trying to run from that the rest of our lives? You know what I'm saying? Like, in fact, the warrior tradition is about embracing the struggle, embracing the grind and realizing that there's value there because only when you struggle, only when you stretch your muscles farther or push them harder, only when you stretch the mechanical nature of your mind and the way you think and try to reach further, will you grow? If you stay stagnant, if you just allow everybody else to influence your life and you take no responsibility and do no action for yourself, then you're not developing. You're in what's called arrested development, which is what I feel uh, so many people are suffering from, in, especially in the Western world. Yeah. So um, we're trying to get out of that arrested development and get back into just developing and growing. But I'm telling you, it's going to take some hard work and you got to start enjoying it. You got to start, you know, really embracing that journey. There certainly seems to be a trend I've noticed over the last decade. Now, it's probably going on far, far longer. And where it's come from, be it Tavistock Institute or wherever it might have come from, I'm not entirely sure. But I just see it rearing its head time and time again and with increasing frequency is the idea that life has to be safe and it has to be comfortable and secure all the time. And of course, people strive for those things 
but it's almost like so many people out there are constantly looking to an external source for that security for that safety mm. for that strength rather than looking within and it may sound mm. cliched oh everybody's got to look within instead of without but I think you've managed to put a lot of meat on the bones of that over the last half hour or so have you noticed that trend? I mean, we hear about these things like safe zones and political correctness has gone completely mad in that you can't say anything in the mainstream media, certainly these days in the Western world, because you might offend somebody, you know, and I always think offense is a strange thing. You can only take offense. You can't really give offense. That's why we say to take offense. It's mm. really a choice. And I think the view that has been propagated and put out there over the last uh, last number of years certainly is that, well, offense comes from somebody who says something or does something from the act or the intent as opposed to what way you perceive it. So, I mean, for example, I might say to you, uh, do you know what? You're sitting over there in Canada and everybody in Canada is an absolute complete dickhead, David. And that's just the way it is. And you might get really offended and you think, oh my God, I'm Canadian. That's desperate. If I say that same thing to somebody who's sitting in Ireland, do you know what? All Canadians are dickheads. They're not going to get offended by that because of their own view or their own perception of how things are, their own reality, their own paradigm, whatever term you want to put on it. And I mean, I've said the exact same thing. My intent could be the same. My intent is that, well, in my mind, all Canadians are dickheads. But because of the way somebody else has perceived it, it's either offensive or it isn't. And I just think that that's totally at odds with the warrior spirit and the warrior path and journey that you've described. Is it something you've noticed? And what are the solutions to that? If somebody kind of decides listening to this, oh, you're dead right, I get offended about a lot of things, but that may be true. There may be a grain of truth, but what am I going to do about it? How do I stop myself getting offended? Or how do I take back my power, which is something we talk about a lot on this show? Yeah, uh, it's and there are there are a few diff different dickheads here in Canada, but let's not get into it. Uh, <laughs> they mostly d dabble in politics and stuff like that. But anyways, um, no, I, I hear what you're saying, and there there's definitely a trend to avoid any kind of legitimate discussion where there's a possibility that someone might get offended. And and what I would call that kind of discussion is an adult discussion, you know, amongst adults, amongst men, amongst women, amongst, you know, grown ass people mm. that can have a real discussion about real things and speak from the heart, speak freely, not speaking with the intent to offend people. But I mean, if you say something that's coming from your heart, that's very passionate um, and you've got some reasonable information to back up what you're saying and it is coming from the heart and someone takes offense to that, I agree with you entirely that that's a, that is something you have taken Absolutely. And even if somebody, even if you were to say, hey, I think you're a dickhead, I have the choice as to whether or not accept that. Do I view myself like that? Yeah. Does your opinion of the me and, and saying that to me uh, somehow change my own mind about how I think about myself? Uh, well, for me, no. Maybe when I was growing up, it would definitely affect me when kids and other people come at me and start calling me names or whatever. And I was picked on a lot as a kid. Um, and it, this was what some, something that turned me around completely. And what turned around was it was my level of confidence and self-awareness that was what changed. And from that point on, now when someone, you know, and I get it now all the time, you know, people come on my YouTube channel, you probably get it too, and you get all those comments and whatnot. And you could sit there all day and go, oh, well, what, what gives him the right to say that on my video? <laughs> exactly. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to boil my blood over something stupid, some kid that lives in his parents' basement that's sitting there just sniping people on YouTube. I'm not going to worry about that. That guy is projecting his own shadow onto yeah. me or onto other people. Mm. Um, and so what I'm trying to do is 
come from my perspective of how I see myself and how I see things. And nobody can penetrate that because it's invincible. And that's, that's what it is, is I know myself. And the reason I can say that is not just because I read a book and now I think I know myself. I went and got an Eckhart Tolle book and now I think I found myself. No, I have gone through the paces and I continue to go through the paces. I have challenged myself. I have, um, I have done so many things in order to break myself down in order to build myself back up again that I, I know who I am. I know what I'm capable of. I walk with full confidence of that. And, uh, and there's nothing someone's going to say to me that's going to rip me down. That's the mindset that I try to approach things with. And if I do feel like I'm in a weak space, you know, I wake up one day, wrong side of the bed, things aren't going well, lots of stress. And then someone walks by and throws a negative comment my way. Sure, it might hit you a little bit. But then I go back to that experience as a fighter where you, you, you take a few shots and you're feeling winded and you're feeling the pain and you feel like you can't got any, you got nothing left to give. And now you're in a position where you have to make that choice and you got to say, am I going to quit? And I'm going to, am I going to let this defeat me? Am I going to let this beat me down? Or am I going to turn this around during this moment of adversity? And am I going to spin that around and, and make the best of it and, and, and find my victory here? And so this is where the, the real fight the real combat situation that is happening right now is happening in our own minds. It's happening in our own bodies. And so when we address that and we become engaged in that and then and, and walk around victoriously, uh, nobody's going to come after you. Nobody's going to be uh, saying something and it's all going to bounce off you anyways. And I actually have to do this a lot with children, John. I have to all the time, young kids, teens, uh, and even adults, I have to coach them through bullying experiences and try to build them back up uh, because we have a world full of victims. It's like an epidemic and it's because of the nature of the system and the nature of the information that is given to people from a young age, from parents, from teachers, from priests, from, you know, just the influences from the media. Yeah. I mean, look at the media today. It's just nothing but you're not good enough. You got to look like this, act like this, dress like this, talk like this, be like this, like this, don't like that, etc. Yeah. Constantly an external influence. Um, and you mentioned Tavistock Institute of Human Relations. I'm sure there's some connection there. But anyways, um, <laughs> the, the idea is that regardless of that, regardless of that barrage of toxic ideas and, and negative thinking, you can become victorious in, in spite of that. And in fact, you should start to enjoy the journey because uh, it's not going to be over in one night and it's going to be a constant thing that you're going to have to go through. And what you need to do is start embracing the grind, man. Get used to it uh, and, and start to realize that when you test yourself and come out on the other side, take the courage and the strength that you got from that situation and bring it into the next situation with you. It's like you're now amassing an armada of warriors that are going to be at your side every time you go into a situation. Um, you can look at that, uh, the native tradition and the, you know, when you look at some of these different traditions, they, they talk about ancestors, you know, my ancestors are protecting me or I have guardian angels, etc. Um, and some people think they're being guarded by like the Andromeda council or something like that, mm. whatever version you want, it's you, it's your consciousness, it's aspects of your consciousness interacting with that source field or whatever you want to call it. And it's what you bring into it that will bring about that immunity and that protection and that confidence and that grace that you're going to walk around with in this life. It's your choice to accept that, to build it and to cultivate it or to walk around as a victim. And so what I do with kids 
is I teach them this and I talk to them about it regularly. And I say, hey, what are those kids calling you at school? And I let them tell me all the different dirty names they get called and all the different things. And I'm like, listen, are you that? Do you think you're that? You think you're a loser? You think you're a dickhead? No? Okay, well then why the hell would you let some guy who doesn't know who he is and who is less confident than you are, more afraid of you than you are of him? How can you let someone like that affect your opinion of yourself. When you understand these ideas and these concepts and you look at things like that, nobody's going to penetrate that in you. It's always a choice when it comes to this. And is the success rate high then? How do kids respond to that? Because I know a lot of adults can be quite resistant depending on, I suppose, how malleable they are and how entrenched they are in their own particular control system. But I would imagine that kids would be a bit more open to it. Is that your experience? Yeah, with when it comes to adults, it's it's almost calcified at that point, you know. Yeah. Like, but it's it's not impossible. I've had great success. Uh, martial arts being my favorite way to help people with that. Um, but for kids, I would say, and I've been teaching kids in martial arts for many many years. Uh, I even, even when I was a kid, I was also assisting my in senseis, helping kids and stuff. And um, I, I, it's a very high success rate. Absolutely, I've had kids that were the bullied. You know, kid coming in, head hanging low, constantly picked on, no idea of who they are, no confidence at all, no backbone. And, you know, within six months, I've turned it completely around, 100%. Um, and then I've had other kids come in that are the bullies, the ones that are out there victimizing other people because they themselves, of course, are the number one victim. Mm. Um, you have to first victimize yourself before you can victimize somebody else. Um, so I've taken them from both ends of the spectrum and brought them into a state of equilibrium where, you know, the bullied and the bullies are now just regular kids training together and growing and becoming completely empowered and, and totally different people. So um, for me, it's a joy to be able to watch that process. And it's a different, uh, different timeline for everybody. I've got some people that come in and they pick it up right away and they start getting it and it just took a little bit of work. And then other people, it takes years, you know. Um, and so this is something that I'm trying to show people that I can't fight this fight for you. You know, if I'm your sensei or whatever, I can't, I can't do this for you. Yeah. I can't do the push-ups for you, you know. You have to come in here and do it yourself. Um, and, and I just hope that I can be a positive influence because I've, I've done that myself before, or I'm already on that journey myself. So, um, definitely a high success rate. And there needs to be more of this kind of instruction in martial arts schools and in school. I would like to see martial arts become an integral part of schooling and not just the physical training, but the actual you know, philosophical discussions and understanding of history, uh, a redefinition, an artistic element, and then, of course, a physical element as well. I'll tell you right now, John, if we were to implement that on a big scale, the world would change. I will guarantee you that because if I can change in that environment and I can help other people on a micro level change by utilizing these principles, which are ancient and they are deeply embedded in our consciousness anyways, we just have to connect to them. Well, if I can do it, man, if we, if we had other people doing that as well, it would change things overnight for sure. I think you're absolutely right. And I don't think those are hollow words because there is a massive life lesson emerging from this conversation as you speak. 
and it ties in with natural law which you mentioned earlier and the principles of that maybe we'll talk about that for a little while but it's the application of knowledge I mean you can impart knowledge till the cows come home to coin that Irish phrase but yeah. without the application of that knowledge it's no use and only the individual can apply it for themselves again you know action where will exists so you combine then your knowledge your action and your will and all of a sudden you are working with natural law as opposed to against it or partially kind of scratching the surface but not getting down to the real nitty gritty there you're obviously somebody who has a very deep understanding of natural law and how that applies in your life in terms of solutions at large how do you think that the principles of natural law and most specifically that application or the action which seems to be the sticking point for most people can be um, how people can be helped with that and in particular adults because as you mentioned so many adults do seem to be calcified at that point but I don't think anybody's a completely lost cause personally I think there is always an angle or a way to chip away at that calcification and to I get agree. to them eventually so what kind of uh, solutions would you have because everything you're talking about is so solution based and it's entirely refreshing to hear that because so many people know the problems but they mm. don't necessarily think about the solutions you're not just thinking about them but you are acting upon them so what have you got from me there well uh well john i would say that for those that are listening if, if you aren't interested in training in the physical element aspects of martial arts or or what we're talking about uh that's okay i mean i always recommend everybody try to you know find a way to learn some self-defense and get your body moving and exercise and whatnot but you can apply this even just in your own life by trying to cultivate a particular state of mind. Uh, that's really what this is about, is, is it's an element of consciousness and it's a developing of consciousness and awareness. And the natural law aspect is very much a part of it because I could sum up natural law in a very simple phrase, which is do no harm. Yeah, It's very simple. And understanding a concept that is very much, it's deeply entrenched in pretty much all philosophy, which is that to harm another is to harm oneself. If you understand that and you can help people, whether no matter what age they are, to understand that, that the actions you're taking in the world against others are actually just a reflection of the actions that you've been taking against yourself and that you think that you're actually you're just pointing out some flaw in another person or, uh, you know, you're getting the best of somebody or whatever. But actually, it's against you that you are doing this damage because there is an interrelationship there between all living things. That's what natural law is reflecting is that there's a connectivity. There's a symbiosis uh, between you and the natural world and the other beings that are also drawing breath here on this planet. So to respect that, um, as Yeshiba was saying in that quote I read earlier about bringing things back to their natural order. And that's what the warrior is there to protect. They're not there to protect some empire or some corrupt government or to go over and steal resources, land and whatnot from people. Uh, the warrior is there to keep things in balance. It's the balance maker. It's the justice card in the tarot, the path of the fool, you know, mm. um, it's the balancer. And so in life, in order to learn what natural law is, you got to get out in nature. You got to study nature. And I mean, I went to Ireland, man, and I was telling you off air, I have to come back yeah. because you want to talk about nature. You want to talk about beauty. Um, you want to talk about history and a place that is sacred. There's, I mean, Ireland is the first place that pops into my head. Um, and I also live on sacred land here in Canada. Um, and, and by the way, I believe all lands are sacred. It's, it's not a particular place, but each place has a different vibration. Yeah. And when you get out and experience it for yourself and you not just walk by and go, oh yeah, those are some nice roses. Oh, look at those trees, nice mountains. Look at the water, beautiful. All right, let's go back to the mall. It, it, you're going to go, 
oh, I'm going to stop for a moment and actually just take a breath and smell this beautiful smell that's around me. And I'm going to look and let the colors of all of the things that I'm seeing, all the beautiful, uh, you know, the, the landscape and everything and how it works and watching the sunrise and the sunset and getting, just looking at the cycles of time again in a natural setting, you're going to start, something's going to start awakening inside of you. And you don't have to go to some church or walk into some university in order to figure this out. The university is the universe. It is out there in front of your eyes every single day. Um, And if you live in a big city and you're stuck in traffic on the way to work or whatever, take the time, you know, play hooky, go out to a nature trail or go walk by a lake and just contemplate what that is. What is nature? What is this world? What, What is your body? Like, look at your hands and just marvel at the fact that out of all other living things on the planet, you have a major advantage with these hands. You have an, This is a gift that you've been given. Um, and you start understanding the sacred geometry of your body. When you can understand these things about yourself, how can you not understand these things about other people around you and, and all the different forms of life here? How can you not cultivate a feeling of respect and love and connection and admiration for those things? Um, how could you ever want to bring yourself to harm any of those things or to, you know, just throw that water bottle on the ground and just leave it and, or just to, to walk around carelessly. Like there, the, none of this matters. Um, that's been what's happening. And that it's because of false belief systems. It's because people have fallen away from connecting to natural law. And, um, I, I had read a quote in my presentation about natural law that was very simple that I really liked. It comes from Jeffrey Anderson from his book, the nature of things. And he says in nature, everything is connected, interwoven and subject to natural law. We cannot separate ourselves from that no matter how hard we try. And there's something interesting in there. And that is that You can run from the voice within your own soul. You can run away from that. In the the Christian sense, they would say you can run from God, you know, Mm. but in a real sense, you're running from yourself. Um, You can try to run from it, but you can't hide from it. It will, it will, it will torture you until you address it. Um, And what it is, is it's that voice that is calling you back to your more complete state of being and to understand the connectivity that you have with nature and with other people around you. So uh, you can't escape that. Everything is subject to natural law. Natural law is always in effect. Natural law is something that is universal. It is not something that works only in certain communities with certain demographics of people. And, uh, you know, it was only something that was written down in some book somewhere and we all have to follow it. The book of life is life itself. And it's written in there and you can, you can see it everywhere you look if you only knew what you were looking at. And once you start to see it, man, you're never, you're never going to not see it. It's kind of like when Neo in the Matrix movie suddenly starts seeing the code. He's like, oh my God. And he starts feeling where he can go. And then he's stopping bullets and he's starting to, everything's flowing. And it's because he finally realized, he finally got rid of all that fear, that doubt, that disbelief, all that division in his mind. And that was what the change was. So um, this, this is a hard journey for those that are listening. And I know this is a long-winded answer, but you know, bear with me. Um, this is a hard thing to do, but just start there. Start with where are you right now? Where are you with your life? Where are you with your career? Where are you with your family? 
Uh, how's your state of health in your body? Is your body healthy? Are you uh, experiencing a lot of illness and sickness in your life? Are you suffering from any kind of injuries? Uh, don't look at that as something negative. Look at that as a test that you now have to overcome. And if you keep ignoring it, it's going to keep knocking on your door until you address it. Um, so start with the state of health of your body. What kind of food are you putting into your body? Um, uh, you know, what, what kind of water are you drinking? Uh, what, what kind of environment do you live in? And then from there, start going, well, where's your head at? You know, where's the state of mental health in your, in your being? Mm. And then from there, you're going to continue. And it's just going to, your doors are going to start opening. But you have to get all the chains off. You got to get all the inhibitions out of the way. You got to get rid of that fear. You got to just go into it like the warrior, just driving straight forward, knowing and accepting that one day you're going to die. One day you're going to die and you're going to accept that. You're not going to fear that. And you're going to live your life as if each moment was your last. And there's, an, there's this kind of a concept in Bushido and in the, the samurai tradition where they say life in every breath, life in every breath, meaning stop and smell the bloody roses, can't you? Like look around and, and, and breathe in life and accept it and realize that maybe this moment is my last. What would you do if this was your last moment or if you knew you only had a week to live or whatever? What would you do? Live your life from that point on and then you're gonna see things just totally change because I'll tell you what, you do have nothing to lose except your own sanity if you don't go that way. So that's really how I see natural law and that whole concept. I think that's really empowering and a fantastic viewpoint and very well articulated too. And you spoke about the chains that bind us. I think one of the biggest chains is language. And this is one that I always, in school or whatever, prided myself on a good command of the English language. And it's amazing. Over the last five or six years, I've learned that so much of the language that we use has been completely hijacked. So you mentioned terms and their application to natural law, such as justice, truth, and even the word law itself. I grew up for most of my life thinking that justice was something that could only be found in a courtroom, that the mm. truth was something that somebody else told me, not something I discovered for myself and could apply. That law, again, was something that a set of rules that somebody wrote down on a piece of paper and that they could only be changed by, I don't know, people like elected politicians or whatever. And that's completely not the case. Your application of those words with regard to natural law is really what those words are. I think that ties in with the unlearning that you spoke about earlier as well and how we have to unlearn and press that reset button and start to remember what everything is all about. In my experience, I'd be very interested to hear your views on it as well as I continue my journey and my path. I've noticed that once the reset button has been pressed, there is a certain amount of remembering and some of my old paradigm does creep back in again and I find I have to press that button again, again, again. I don't have to necessarily reset everything all the time, but I'm not afraid, and I was for a long time, I was afraid to say, do you know what, I've gone down a wrong path here, let's mm. press reset again. It's not necessarily that because you've taken the big step to press that button the first time, that no matter what path you take is going to necessarily be the correct one. I make mistakes every single day of the week and people who know me well will be laughing at the fact that I'm admitting that now on air, but I do, <laughs> we all do. And you, I think it really takes a huge amount then to turn around and say, look, I was wrong. I have to start that again, but I can use that, the knowledge that I was wrong and the fact that I'm able to face up to that, I can use that to help me find the right path then because there are so many obstacles along the way and in my experience I found that it's almost like every time I overcome one obstacle there are another two or three presented in front of me and I think that's the challenge 
that you mm. spoke about earlier on as opposed to just saying well this is the hand I've been dealt I have to make the best of it God I've had a good day today and I've had a bad day yesterday and let's see what tomorrow brings but let's embrace the challenge and turn that bad day into a good day by if necessary pressing the reset button or taking a little bit of the hard lesson that was learned yesterday and applying it to today's day so is that something that you've noticed through your journey or is that maybe uh, something that people you've spoken to or you've come into contact with have noticed or am I kind of on an island in that regard and if I am that's fine I'm just interested to get other people's take on that Oh, you're not on an island, man. Uh, this is this is universal. This is part. You've just described what it is to be a warrior in life. Uh, that's wow. what it is. You read the, <laughs> you read that quote, man, uh, earlier from uh, Don Juan. Yeah. About the what it is to be a warrior versus an average man. Actually, funny thing, I had that. Uh, I had a banner. A friend had given it to me when we opened our first dojo in Toronto. My wife and I, and we had that hanging up in our dojo. And my students would look at it every day and I would actually have the kids walk over and read it. And even if they didn't understand it, I would say, go home and think about it. And I want you to come back and I want you to tell me what you think and, and what you came to as a conclusion on what that's all about. Um, and understanding that when you're, when you're coming across challenges and as you're discussing where you, you kind of, you realize maybe you went down a wrong path or you, you bought into something that wasn't legit or whatever, um, that is think of that as a moment of excitement and celebration. Don't mm. think of that as, oh man, I was wrong and now my ego has to take a big hit and now everybody's going to judge me because I was wrong and la la la. No, no. Get it out of your head, the worry about what other people think because um, everybody out there is worried what everybody thinks. So do the math. If everybody walking around is petrified of what other people think and everybody's suffering from that, Nobody's really thinking about what other people think. They're just worried about what other people think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So everybody's suffering from the same thing. So what do you think? That's really all that matters. Where's your head at? And you have to embrace it as an exciting journey of development and growth, not as, oh my God, I failed. Um, I use this example all the time in, in training because I, I view martial art training as just a metaphor for life. And what with the lessons we learn on the mat, we can take out into our everyday lives. And, you know, I, I have, you know, I have students all the time that come up and go, hey, that technique hasn't really been working or I've been, I've, I've been coming up a lot of opposition and I feel like I've been getting whipped all the time and submitted and, and it's not, nothing's working out inspiring. And I'm just saying, all right, well, you're probably thinking about it too much. You're probably worried about it too much. You're, you're, you're not allowing yourself to flow. Uh, when you can be in a state of flow, things are going to happen organically and you're not going to be thinking so much about what's the right move in the right moment of this situation. Uh, you're going to flow naturally and freely. The only way you can do that is when you let your body relax and be free. And the only way you can relax and be free is if you can get rid of all those doubts and little voices in your head that are telling you, to stop and, and don't and worry when you, maybe you should be going straight through. So uh, that's why you have to start embracing that. You know, if you get, if you have a bad day at training and nothing's flowing, come home with a smile on your face because at least you showed up and trained and now you've got a lot of data to go off of for next time. Yeah. Now you've got a lot of information to come back with and go, hey, this is where I have to work on. This is where somebody caught me with a weakness here. Uh, you know, th things happen like that. Um, and so, and, and from that point on, now you're empowered with information to change that in the future. So what could be better than that? Um, I find people that are always walking around as if they're, they're winning all the time and there's no challenges whatsoever, they start to get a bit thin and a bit weak and a bit, you know, they're, they get a stiff upper lip, but they don't really have any real life experience. 
I love the people I love hanging out with are people that have been forged in the fire. Yeah. People that have been through adversity, people that have been through suffering, people that have experienced uh, some kind of trauma in their lives because those people know what life is. Those people have experienced it. They can't run from it and they, they've had to grow stronger in order to keep pushing forward. Um, so, you know, being around real authentic people for me is, is, is just a joy. And I recommend people get out there and kind of get rid of those fake friends in their lives and, and, and focus on developing true, meaningful relationships with people that actually care and give a shit. Um, you know, so this is what it's all about, man. Uh, face the adversity, go through the trials, make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. I think that failure is the path to success. <laughs> it's the only way mm. you have to fail again and again and see what doesn't work and learn from it in order to finally find out what's going to work and how you can succeed. So don't fear adversity and don't fear, don't fear failure. And what then, David, of the place of the ego? Because we hear so many contradictory viewpoints on this. The ego is good for us. The ego is bad for us. We should try and um, we should try and get rid of the ego, or to cover it up and mask it, or we should embrace the ego. Where where do you stand on that? Because I think what you've just spoken about does tie in with the ego, and that the difficulty that so many of us have in getting up when we fail and going again. I mean, you know, I mean, the, the ego does say to us, well, don't do it again. You don't want to be seen to be failed. It's that, that idea that so many people are concerned with what we're doing and the fear of what people think. So what do you think there is a place for the ego within the warrior spirit and within truth? Or do you think it's something that needs to be hidden? No, it, it definitely should not be suppressed at all. I mean, the, what, you, what we would call the ego, and there's, there's many definitions of it, but just to keep it simple, what we would call the ego um, would, would really just be a fragment of your consciousness. It, it was something that there's a lot, of, um, a lot of researchers and psychologists that have referenced it being linked to a past trauma mm. or a past shock that happened to human consciousness, you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. Maybe it had to do with some of the devastation that took place. And, uh, and there's sort of a, a a race memory of this trauma that has produced what we would call the ego is sort of a, a, a Jungian idea, I guess. And, but really the ego, it, it's kind of like, I look at it as the emperor with no clothes kind of scenario where if you let that voice that's really there to kind of help you interface with the real, with the world, like it's, it's not a negative thing. It's just a negative thing. If it doesn't know its place, mm. you know, like you do need to, I'm not just going to give bare my soul to every single person I walk in front of, because there are a lot of toxic people out there that might want to vampire your energy. So you got to be a bit guarded out there in a way. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you meet someone that's genuine and you're having a deep conversation, like we're having now, then you can open up yourself a little bit more. But, um, that, that would be to me a positive use of the ego where, you know, you kind of have a bit of a, this is my public persona. This is how I interface with people. And then, you know, I move past it. But the problem is people start to identify and they start to create an illusory reality an illusory view of themselves. So this goes back to this whole truth warrior concept and where I feel it's applied the best, which is your, in your own mind and your own life, um, where you have to be truthful with yourself. And you got to ask yourself every day, was that my opinion that I just gave somebody or was that somebody else's opinion that I repackaged and gave it to them? Mm -hmm. You know, um, now, not that there's anything wrong with having uh, teachers and, and having sources and references, but did you come to those realizations through experience and, and through deep understanding or did you just have a superficial understanding of it and then just rehashed it and, and did it? What was your motivation behind doing it and sharing it? Was it because you want to be popular because you want to say the right thing? Well, where, what's that linked to? Oh, that's linked to your need to be liked and appreciated by other people. Um, well, that's fine. But 
Are you going to let that need to be liked and appreciated by other people run your life and control your life? Because that means that you're not living your life anymore. The ego has kind of put on the emperor's clothes and is running around acting like it runs the place when the, you know, when the, when the Lord of the manor is out on, on business or whatever. Um, we need to bring that Lord of the manor back and, and put them back in their rightful place and have what you would call your, your higher or, or a better term would be more like your, your more complete or imperial self, mm. you know, the true self to run the manor. And that way it now, the ego or what we call the ego is there to serve that as opposed to the other way around. So if you're letting that false persona uh, be who you are in the world all the time and let that being the one that's running the show, well, then you're not going to be listening to that deep inner voice of who you really are. You're going to be running a program because that's all the ego is. It's just a, it's a biological program. And so uh, you're, not, you're not using it efficiently and you're letting it run the show and that's going to bring all kinds of ruin to you because you're not living in a space where you've, you've got your emotions uh, in a state of discipline and alignment with yourself. You're, you're kind of, you're acting again, vicariously through other people as opposed to living your true authentic self. So um, there's a place for the ego. I definitely don't feel like people should just go in there and try to meditate the hell out of themselves until they suddenly feel like they've, they've vanquished their ego or whatever. Yeah. I don't think so. I think what needs to happen is it just needs to be a switching of roles. You need the ego to serve you in, 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 a, in a good way and actually just be an interface and, and can be, it can be a bit of a protector in your life um, as opposed to running your, your life. You, the real you, the real deep down you, whatever you perceive that to be, that should be running the show. And if you don't know what that is, you just have to start moving away, getting rid of the layers that are blocking you from accessing what that is. Uh, look yourself in the mirror and try to look yourself directly in the eyes and try to just look and, and, you know, I've done this many times and you just come face to face with yourself and just really try to identify and go, is this me? Am I speaking freely from myself, from my true uh, opinion here? Am I, am I being authentic? Am I being real? Is, is, am I doing, am I following this particular endeavor or whatever from a true place of wanting to, to grow and to, to develop and express my true self? Or am I just putting on a mask and pretending to be somebody else, you know, kind of like in social media land where you have the ability to just create a public persona and pretend uh, you're something. And, you know, some people don't even put their real picture up. It's somebody else's picture. Yeah. And it's not even a real, they, they create a whole fantasy, almost like an avatar. They create a whole avatar fake life because they're so discontented with their real life that mm -hmm. they need to create a fake life. You know, what's that? Why not spend the energy on changing the things about your real life that you don't like? That would make more sense to me. Um, but, you know, it's easier to just fake it, to create an illusion. And that's the world we live in. And that's why that influence is there is to pull us away from our true self. Because when you're in that space of being engaged with your true self, you are in a state of power, cosmic power. You have so much power and, 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 and empowerment in your life when you're in that space and you're walking in that, in that truth, um, as opposed to when you're living some false illusory persona you know what i mean so in a sense try and learn the language of ego I, I don't speak chinese for example and if somebody who was chinese and only spoke chinese was constantly nattering in my ear speaking away in chinese i could get very annoyed by that and i could uh, you know i could re obviously reject everything that's coming my way whereby or whereas if i was fluent in chinese and i could understand everything they might be imparting the most wonderful advice and knowledge to me that I could then use. So to use that example with the ego, if we learn the, the language of ego 
and this is my perception of what you're saying, we should really get to a state of internal monarchy as opposed to Bruce Lee's repetitious robot, you know, and, right. and, and become aware of what's going on within ourselves. Like any language, as you pick up the keywords, it becomes easier and easier to build on that. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you do become fluent in it. But even when you're fluent, there's still so much to learn with regard to that language. You might have full vocabulary, but you still need to learn the nuances and the different situations and applications for that language as well. So, that's what I've picked up from what you're saying and that makes complete sense in my mind and hopefully people will have their own kind of meanings brought from it but do you think that's an accurate portrayal of it? Yeah, no, it's a good example. It's a good example and um, you, you, you brought up Bruce Lee. He's, he's famous for talking about this and, and actually he was hated in his time in the martial art world and in the Asian community in many ways because they were, they were like, what are you doing? You're going to the West and you're, you're showing them all of our culture and martial arts and everything, but now you're changing things and you're, it's not the original traditional way. And, um, you know, and he would just be like, look, I can't blindly follow the crowd. I can't just accept their approach. Mm-hmm. I won't allow myself to indulge in the usual manipulating game of role creation. You know, he's famous for saying that. And I always took great empowerment from that because everything in this world is trying to turn you into somebody else than your true self. Mm. And if you can contemplate that, you'll start to really start figuring out what's going on. Uh, And then you'll start to see the solution behind that. Because if you can step outside the box, what is the box? In my opinion, the box is being in a state of I'm living through what would be called the public mind by someone like Edward Bernays, who was a brilliant propagandist back in the day that was one of the men that informed the world elite on how to manipulate the public mind so that you can have everybody, you know, basically uh, one leash for many necks is what that is, where you can have everybody marching to the same beat, everybody believing the same things, everybody listening to what you're telling them. It's, it's what religion and, and, and politics and monarchy has been doing for centuries. Um, and that has created a lot of toxic effects in the world. That has been one of the major sources of what we would call evil in the world, where people are not thinking for themselves. They're not connected to natural law. They're not connected to the environment around them and the people around them. Uh, and they're not connected to their own selves. What they're connected to is a false construct that was put into being by the various uh, vehicles of information that we are surrounded with, such as the media and and education and all these different things. So instead of uh, having a society where we're raising very strong and empowered individuals who know who they are on an individual level, uh, we're creating a hive mind collectivist type of society. And that never, ever, ever, ever turns out well in in history so we need to really change the track we're on and that's why i feel like it's important in this time to bring forward this philosophy and this warrior idea because it's very very much rooted in being a grounded individual because only from there can you have infinite diversity and infinite unity with others is because you need to go on that individual path and take that responsibility and understand the different mechanisms of your consciousness, such as, you know, is this, is this just my ego or is this my true self or whatever? You have to go on that path on your own first in order to be able to go out and start uh, interacting on a, in, a, in a sane, rational way with other people, um, as opposed to just blindly following the crowd and doing what everybody else is doing and not thinking for yourself. Um, The best example of this is when you go to like a stage hypnotist show and you watch how easily one person can stand up on a stage of people that they've never met. He's never met. Yeah. And 
basically put them under a spell, basically put them in a, in a, a trance like state where they're open to suggestion. Um, and they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're no longer thinking autonomously. Um, and you can watch all the types of ways that that hypnotist can manipulate that person, you know, so we got to get out of that hypnosis and uh, become involved in the process of, of learning who we really are on a deep foundational level. And for anybody who may have listened to us speaking and thought, you know what, that is the way for me, the way of the warrior, but I don't really know how to begin. What would be a little bit of advice as a first step? First step is start listening to your body. Start moving your body. You don't have to be punching and kicking if you don't want to. But I feel like the best thing to do is to start moving your body because um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about meditation out there, I feel. Uh, it comes a lot from the new age and sort of spiritualist community. Um, not that every idea out there is bad. It's just that it's become uh, an extreme where the, there's this idea that the only way to enlightenment is to sit still, not move, cross-legged, closed eyes, you know, hands in a particular position and just sit there all day and you know, not be engaged in the world, but to be in some disembodied reality or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a time for that. There's a time for stillness of the mind. Just like when you watch how water travels, sometimes water's pushing really violently and moving and there's waves and all kinds of action. And then there's other times when it's a calm, cool pool where it's not really moving. It's, it almost looks like glass. Um, so you want to have a balance of that. But the best thing to do is to start understanding, uh, you know, the difference between your body your mind, your consciousness, how all that's interrelated and, uh, and realize that your body is like, it is like a brain. Like your body acts like a brain. If you've studied the work of people like Wilhelm Reich, for example, where he's talking about something called somatic intelligence, yeah. or basically, you know, he's referencing bioenergy and organ energy and the energy of the body and what is animating the body and whatnot. That is the key to understanding this warriorship concept because it's movement of the body that gets the blood flowing, gets the chi flowing. Um, it starts to, you know, rinse out toxins. It works your muscles. It stretches your body. And from there, what's happening is you're creating a flow of energy. And when you're creating a flow of energy, uh, those people that have studied things like Kundalini and all of that, you know, this plays into that as well. You're, you're actually achieving a state of movement and flow in your body. And when you do that, your mind will start to open up and will actually be clearer. You'll actually see things clearer. Uh, colors will be more, will be brighter. Smells will be more intense. Um, and you'll, your senses will start to pick up, which you see this in a lot of old martial art films where the guy will like blindfold his student for a month and make him do all these weird rituals of trying to serve tea and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's because they're trying to train you how to access what they call the sixth sense. Well, it's not really the sixth sense. It's the sense. It's the sense of your body being animated by every part of your consciousness and interacting with the world. Mm -hmm. So that to me, if you, and I'm kind of explaining this in a really deep way, but in a simple way now, just start moving, start going for a walk, you know, take, take a couple minutes and just go for a walk. Try to do some stuff alone. That's a very sacred thing. Do it by yourself. Get away from all the noise. Shut off the iPods and the iPhones and all that stuff. And just, unless you're listening to the show, you know, listen to the show first and then turn it <laughs> off and go out for the walk. And just let your body clear, clear the energy. And that's going to be the intention that you're going to go for this walk is just breathe, let your shoulders drop, just walk, try to take in the scenery. Um, imagine you're seeing the world for the first time. That's a really th good thing. It's an exercise I do regularly. I imagine like I just showed up here and I'm like, oh, what is this? And I try to have that wonder of, of like what it is to be a child. And when you're in that state, 
I know this doesn't sound like warriorship and martial arts and all that stuff, but it's actually a very key ingredient to understanding what I'm talking about here. Um, because you don't need to read a book to do this. You don't need to go sign up at some martial arts gym or whatever to do this. Um, that might come later. But just to have an organic experience by yourself without any other distractions where you are just connecting with the natural world on your own and you're letting your mind kind of ask questions and think about things and contemplate things, that is a sacred experience. That is where the church is. That is where you're going to have a place of trying to figure out these questions to these things that, or the answers to these questions that you might have within you. And that is the way of the warrior. And, and then when you feel like you're connecting to that more, maybe you're going to want to start moving your body in a particular way. Um, I like studying animal forms and just movement in general. Uh, I recommend looking into people like Idol Portal and, and so many of these other great people. Uh, I just did an interview with Ben Stewart also. Uh, we were talking about this, the importance of movement and, and just getting out and, and getting the body flowing. And then if you feel compelled, look in your area and see if there's maybe some martial arts around and, and, and go in and see what it's like in there. Is it a real martial art place? Are they trying to really help? people and uh, teach the real aspects of martial arts or are they just there for you know for money or for getting getting you out know, fighting in tournaments or whatever um, and so this is kind of you're going to go through a step-by-step -step process and the other thing that I did was I started picking up books on the subject you know I got a whole library full of them and I just started reading uh, from the original founders of the arts and getting into the philosophy and um, and what I've tried to do is collect all that information and I'm building it on my website uh, my website is wayofthetruthwarrior.com and uh, I've, this is what I've done with this work is to try to bring you sources of information that you can now take on your own to learn about what I'm talking about here and then uh, the rest of the journey honestly that'll just happen on your own. Like I, I can't advise that. This is something very sacred. It's yours. It's not mine. It's not anybody else's. Nobody owns this. This is universal. And this is something unique to you. So just embrace it and, uh, and start from just going for that walk, clearing the energy, start thinking for yourself and the rest will unfold from there. Absolutely powerful stuff, David. And for those who are interested, uh, you've already mentioned the website, wayofthetruthwarrior.com. What about your podcast, your YouTube, that side of things? Because there's a huge amount of information out there. And so much of it is so wide and varied, yet it all ties into what we've been speaking about for the last while. And I just think it's such valuable information and so relatable as well. So tell us more about how people can research what it is that you do. Oh, thanks, John. Yeah, it's uh, well, the way the way the truth warrior.com will lead you in all the directions of the different work that I do. Um, but yeah, that's the basic website. My YouTube channel is where I do my podcast. And it's basically a combination of interviews that I do with various researchers. Um, actually, I just released a, a new three hour interview that I did with Michael Tsarian. We're continuing our Path of the Fool series. Um, and this is honestly one of the most mind blowing uh, discussions that I've had uh, with him. And it's just incredible uh, information. We talk about a lot of these concepts in the show. Um, so my YouTube channel is Sensei Dave 82. But if you just go to YouTube or Google and type in Truth Warrior, uh, you'll find it. And I also do video logs on there where I'm just kind of, you know, I fire the camera on and just start rolling on whatever's going on in my head that day. And I try to just share, you know, what I feel and what I think and give people sources to go and look up and, and share ideas. And this is just this is just my opinion, folks. This isn't uh, God's word or anything like that. This is just this is this is my personal adaptation 
and understanding of this information at this stage of my life. Um, this is always something that will continue to grow and change and adapt, I'm sure. But this is where I'm at right now. And uh, I just, I want to say I appreciate uh, all the incredible people that email me regularly and uh, contact me and, and, and they, they, they love this work and they've supported me in so many different ways. I wouldn't be here doing this if, if it wasn't for those people out there that have supported what I do and uh, have given me that encouragement and that support. And uh, so so, you know, and, and I encourage everybody to support shows like like this show and 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 the work that people are doing to try to share this information and keep this uh, sort of global campfire discussion, as I like to call it, going about the nature of reality and who we are and all of that. So, yeah, uh, that's my YouTube. That's my website. It'll lead you everywhere else uh, that I'm involved with. And um, yeah, go definitely check it out. And have you any plans to do more uh, public speaking or the likes of the presentation you gave it for your mind? Because I think that's certainly, I mean, it just opened my eyes and my mind even further to the work that you do. I think when you're in a room with people of like mind and there's a certain tangible and palpable energetic um, experience that comes with that which can't always be gleaned as easily from say a podcast or from looking at a YouTube video as well so I, I, I was really really struck by that while you were speaking so have you anything on the cards in that regard? Uh, well, I've been approached uh, by a few people that want to try to organize something. Nothing's for sure. I would love to have a platform somewhere to be able to do an actual, to actually do full justice to this presentation. Um, I kind of had to cram it together as fast as I could at Free Your Mind. I only had about an hour to speak, but um, I did the best I could. But I, and I wanted people to know if you were there listening or, or whatever and you loved it. I mean, it's that's just really scratching the surface. Um, I, I owe a debt of gratitude to the many uh, teachers and sources that I referenced in that presentation and I would love to be able to do it full justice so if I could be given at least a good two hours um, I could do even more but if, if I could get at least two hours I'd love to be able to do something like that in a full presentation um, so uh, I, I would absolutely love to to, to speak more on this. Uh, I feel like that was really, I've done a few other presentations on this as I've developed this idea. Um, they were at very small venues. Uh, this was probably the bigger, bigger venue for the first time for me to speak on this. And I, I loved it. Uh, the, the crowd was amazing. Everybody really resonated with it. I wasn't sure how it was going to go over at Free Your Mind. I was like, everybody was there to learn about all the stuff going on in the world and all that stuff. Mm. And I, I just kind of brought it into a different space. And I, I didn't know how it was going to be received. I'm, I'm really glad that people understood what I was saying. Because, um, you know, John, sometimes when you're thinking about these things, it makes sense in your head. And then when you speak it or you try to say, write it down, it, it, doesn't always, it doesn't really feel like it fully does it justice. So I've always been going on a path of trying to refine it and get better at communicating what I know about this because I feel like it still doesn't quite match the, the overall vision I have for it. Um, but that's what's fun about it. That's that challenge we were talking about. That's what's uh, good about doing it. So I look forward to keep developing this further. Um, I do have a bunch of other projects on the go. Uh, I'm actually... Um, Heading up to Los Angeles soon. I'm doing uh, some interviews with History Channel um, and uh, some other things like that. So cool. it's it's been it's been cool to, to see some of these different things opening up uh, as a result of, of the work I've done for 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 this time. So it's uh, I'm excited for what's to come. Well, I tell you, one of the reasons that I reckon the room was so alive while you were speaking, despite the fact that, as you said, many people mightn't have necessarily been aware of what it is you were going to talk about. Your presentation was articulated 
in such an energetic way and it was so solution based and so relatable from the very first line and that's what really made it stand out for me versus so many other speakers and so many other enlightened people and people of knowledge I just thought, hang on a minute, we're talking about solutions here from the very first line. And there are solutions that I could walk out of that room and start practicing straight away. I didn't have to sign up for anything. I didn't have to buy anything. I just had to decide, right, I'm going to make a choice here now and I'm going to apply that to my life straight away. That was the thing. That was the hook for me. I just really thought, I don't know anybody who's doing it in such such an easy way there's such a flow there there's such an organic feel to what it is you're speaking about and how you apply it I think that's why the room came alive in the way that it did and I think it will continue to as you continue to impart this knowledge I think full credit not just for what you're doing but for the way that you're doing it because it's very very different to so much of what's out there and that's not to take away from anybody else but it is very different and for me in a positive way so uh, I congratulate you on the talk and I thank you for the work that you are doing because you're opening not just my mind and my heart to this information but I think so many people out there as well. Oh, John, I want to give you a big hug, man. I really appreciate that. <laughs> I, uh, it, it means a lot to know that uh, the way that this information has impacted my life, that it can impact other people's lives. I'm very much just here to try to pay this forward and do good justice to it. So to hear you say that, and I had so many people come up to me after like a, the rest of the conference, I just had people, one person after person coming up and just, I had people crying and it was pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I was not yeah. expecting that. And um, I, I just, I feel like for anybody listening that is is wanting to go out and do a similar uh, work or, or, or express themselves in their own unique way. Um, the one thing that I did do prior to getting up on that stage was I just, I, I kind of sat on the side and I was waiting to go up and I just told myself, I'm like, speak from the heart, you know, speak freely, you know, speak, be, be the example of what you're trying to talk about here, you know, be, be true here, be true. Mm -hmm. And, um, then I went up and I, I honestly don't even remember half the stuff that came out of my mouth. It was just, I wanted it to be organic. Um, yes, I prepared and researched this. I've done it, been preparing it for years actually, but, um, nothing, I, I enjoy getting up there and just being thrown into it. I, I, I don't, I love, even when we would do like tournaments and martial art demonstrations back in the day, I almost, I wanted it to be like, there was something that had to change last minute to add some extra stress to the situation. Yeah. I liked acting <laughs> under pressure. I like it to be organic and to see it happen with something like this, which was a more philosophical uh, address of martial arts. I'm used to teaching just physical, you know, seminars, you know, teaching people how to defend themselves or whatever. Mm. This was a unique experience for me in that I actually got to share what I love the most about martial arts and and how I feel it can be a solution for uh, not only the, the the state of our minds individually but also how we can empower our society empower our country empower um, this planet again so that we're not we're not just getting thrown around in the wind by what's going on we're not just reeling back and, and standing there watching all of these horrors take place um we the warrior to me is someone that's out there to put an end to war they're trying to stop the war they're trying to prevent further conflict and damage they're trying to stop violence uh that's what they're trying to do and so there are many i've met many great warriors that uh had nothing to do with martial arts actually they just exemplified those characteristics to me in such a brilliant way that uh i'm like i want to be like that i want to go out there and contribute to this work so that's what empowers and, and, and empowers me and gives me the passion to do it and i would uh i would I, i'm looking forward to doing uh, the next presentation on this because uh there's so much more that i could get into 
I love it. I have the power. You have the power. We have the power. Until the next time, David, it's been fantastic speaking to you on Alchemy. I'm very much looking forward to doing this again and keep doing what it is you do. Same to you, John. And guess what? I absolutely have to come. I got to bring my family to see you guys in Ireland. I would love to come there again. And you're more than welcome to come and uh, visit us here on the West Coast of Canada. Well, be careful what you wish for because myself and Stevie will start making plans straight away. You come, man. You come. I got lots to show you. (laughs) I love it. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. Alchemy.
enjoyed this week's episode of Alchemy remember we rely on donations to keep the show in its current free and advertising free format and are very very grateful for any help you can offer no matter how small we like big donations of course because that keeps us running and increases the frequency of the shows we have bandwidth costs and limitations that kind of thing but of course there is no fixed cost on the donations it all helps so even the price of a cup of coffee every month goes a long way towards helping to keep us afloat and doing what it is we do our donate button is on the website and your support and assistance is hugely appreciated. Indeed, thank you to everybody for your recent help and support. We really couldn't do it without you. Our next guest is Jenny Sparcello discussing birth trauma, the dark side of modern medicine, sex and pornography and the impact of conception, gestation and birth imprints and how they impact on and influence the rest of our lives. It promises to be a very interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to it. But until then, I have the power, you have the power, we have the power. Imagination. Alchemy. 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 Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in? Are you tuned in?